0: Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Welcome everybody. It is Thursday again. These Thursdays coming at us at such a pace. Anyhow, it's Thursday afternoon, which is a great time of the week. Maybe even one of the best times of the week. This is Fresh Thinking You're with us together for, uh, what, the next 55 minutes or so, all the way until the top of the hour. It's uh, Chai FM, Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Shishla. And, as always, we look for something which is just a little bit of a different perspective of what is going on in our world. And there is a lot going on in our world. I think everybody will agree to that. There's definitely uh, interesting developments at every moment. So just to key you in, if you'd like to be part of the conversation, as you always are, welcome to be. You can SMS 34519. You can send a message on Telegram. That's 0618951019. And the popular ways of reaching us via social media at Chai FM on Twitter at Rabbi Shish. Or on Facebook. We're doing this on Facebook Live as well. There's also the Chai FM Facebook page. Many different channels of engagement just to give you the opportunity to be able to interact with us. So welcome. It's always nice to have the conversation. Please be part of that conversation. Today what what we're going to talk about is there's an interesting development that's come out of the United States in the last while, in the last few days. And that's the call because of issues of police brutality, which obviously is an issue and always has to be addressed. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. If uh, if it's as endemic as everybody says, it's a difficult job to have. Law enforcement can't be that easy. And of course, sometimes power will go to people's heads. We have to anticipate that. But that's not our conversation over here today. We're not going to talk about police brutality per se. Instead, our conversation today is there's a a, a rallying call that's starting to come out that we should dismantle police forces and we should no longer have a police force and there's got to be another way and perhaps we can introduce some other kind of a system that assists people to to know how to behave and let's what did they used to call it i think they still call it the long arm of the law perhaps some people call it the strong arm of the law so i thought it'd be interesting to have a conversation and try and get a perspective what would the terrorist view be on a police force, and what would the Torahs be on dismantling a police force? Is it something that we would support? Is it something that is completely foreign to the systems that Judaism would expect us to have in a society? Let's have have that conversation. Ideally, if you could bring some kind of um, resource just to back up what it is that your particular position might be on the subject. I think it's interesting. I definitely think that it's something which is going on. Currently, and we're talking about. So you can SMS three four five one nine. You can send a message via Telegram on six one eight nine five one oh one nine Tweet at Chai FM or directly at Rabbi Shish. Join me here on Facebook Live or on the Chai FM Facebook page. What do you think? Do you think the Jewish society insists on having a strong police force, or do you think it's time to move on? I'd love to hear your thoughts. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Look, it's quite possible that people don't have strong views about the police. You know, you think in a South African context. I wonder how many people who are in the South African society necessarily uh, put their faith in the police. We have private security firms... We I don't even know how many people would necessarily phone the police in the first place. So this might be a moot point if you're living in South Africa. And <laughs> perhaps we should be broadening the scope of our conversation and, and asking people in, in different environments. But uh, let's just say, let's just say, in, in a perfect world, uh, there is no such thing. In an ordinary world, in a world of responsive policing, I mean, somebody made a very interesting point that, I, I don't know how it is in, in the United States because we, we don't live there, but, The point that they made was that the cavalry will arrive with all of their gear, regardless of whether you're calling them because of aggravated assault or attempted murder, or to to rescue a cat from a tree. And the the, the argument is, maybe what we've done is we've created, because there's all this equipment, and you you know how it is. There was always that kid at school who used to walk around with a bunch of keys on his belt and thought that he was really powerful and really somebody special, just because of that, that bunch of keys. So take a person and give them this equipment and, and, and all kinds, I don't even know what they carry to be perfectly honest, but so that the person made the argument that maybe we've created a psychology within the police force or at least perhaps in America. I don't think it's the same context here in South Africa. Probably would not be the same context in the UK. In fact, definitely not the same. Um, but there, there's an argument that says you've created the sense that they, there's almost like a psychology of aggression that goes with it when you dress people up in a particular way. And it almost suggests that they should behave that way. And for that reason, maybe we should consider dismantling a police force and come up with a different way of doing it. Uh, this is not the guns argument. I think that that's another conversation in its own right, gun ownership, and whether it works to have guns in society or to remove guns from society. That's a different conversation altogether but specifically the notion of having a police force or, conversely, of removing a police force because we have incidents of police getting out of hand, what would the terrorist take be on that? That's what we're talking about over here today, and I think it would be really interesting to hear people's views on that. And, of course, as always, uh, some of those views are already coming through. So I'm going to share with you. I'm just trying to find it over here. The first response that I got is... Somebody said there's a verse in the Torah that says, Shoyftim v'shoytrim titen lecha b'chol she'arecha. Which means that there is an imperative in the Torah. It's in fact a whole portion in the Torah that is named after this particular instruction. The instruction is, Shoyftim v'shoytrim, judges and policemen, titen lecha b'chol she'arecha. You should establish in all of your cities effectively. So that seems, and that was the first response that I got. That seems to indicate that the Torah is absolutely clear on the fact that you need to have an authoritative system. You need to have law enforcement. So the judges, their role is to define the law in the first place, and of course to judge cases where the law has not been followed, but they have no teeth if there isn't law enforcement who can carry out the, the court's instructions, or who can prevent people from behaving in a particular way. Right, so th- there, there you have it. That would seem to be the most obvious source that we need to confront is the Torah telling us that you have to have police within the structures of a society. But then again, what does that actually mean? What? Do police entail what jurisdiction do they have from a Torah point of view? What limitations on their power would the Torah impose? That's where it gets into an interesting conversation. I feel this is similar to the death penalty conversation. People will lift a verse out of the Torah and say, Well, look, you can see that the Torah agrees that people should be executed for certain behaviors. Therefore, we believe in the death penalty like a blanket statement. And that is absolutely inaccurate. Because the Torah does not say you may have a death penalty. The Torah says under incredibly unusual circumstances, a person might occasionally have to be executed. So much so that the Talmud says that if the Sanhedrin, the highest Jewish court in Israel, if they would have executed, when they had those powers, obviously today they don't have those powers, but if they at the time when they would have had the powers to execute, had they done so more frequently than one time in seven years, and according to another version, once in 70 years, they would be considered a terrorist organization. They would be completely disqualified. I'll, I'll give you another perspective. In Judaism, there is the Torah mandates a consequence for certain behaviors where a person gets lashes. Now, you think of these things. You know, in today's world, it's, it's such an horrific image to imagine that somebody should be taken kind of into the town square and bound against a post and and last for all to see. You think, what? Is is that Judaism? Is this the kind of thing that we support? Is this the kind of thing that we believe? And then you go and you read up on it, and you see that they had to first give a full medical to the fellow, see what kind of uh, punishment he could actually endure. If it it reached a point where he soiled himself, then that's it, he was off the hook. In other words, there was a, a tremendous focus on dignity and the preservation of a person's health and life. So we've got to be careful. Don't just lift a a line out of the Torah and say, look, the Torah says, it says you have to have shoitrim, you have to have police. Who says that the police of the Jewish Bible are the same as the police force that we have today? So we can't just assume things. We can't just simply make correlations between one statement and the next. It's, It's a conversation worth having. And what's interesting is you may or may not agree with the sentiment. For one person I don't agree with the sentiment of, say, of calling for the dismantling of police forces. How can you not have a police force in today's world? What are we all so angelic that we're just going to get along and behave as we should without anybody looking over our shoulder? If only, if only we were that way. In fact, in a, in a moment, I'll tell you a story that relates to that. But as simultaneously, the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, very famously taught that anything that you hear. And anything that you see, especially if it grabs your attention, then you shouldn't just take it and swallow it. You should actually analyze it and say, I'm seeing this for a reason. Hashem, God is sending me a message. That's why I've had to see or hear this information. And it's teaching me about how I should live. So if there's a question in modern society, or at least in certain quarters within modern society, there's a question about the nature of police and the the necessity for police. So, regardless of what we're going to conclude, it's an indication from Hashem that we should be talking about this. We should be examining this particular issue. And we should analyze it clearly, obviously, from a Torah point of view, a Torah's perspective. So, yes, if you think we're such an angelic society that we can get by with our police, you should be reminded of the story of the great sage, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who was the person who restored the whole of Judaism at the time of the destruction of the Second Temple when Roman oppression had threatened the future of Judaism. And he told these students before he died that there's one lesson you have to know in life. If only you'd be as conscious of fear of God as you are conscious of the fear of your fellow human being. In other words, human nature is we behave better when we know that we're accountable to somebody, when we know that somebody might take us to task. Over our behavior or over our misbehavior. So what do you think about it? It's an open line, 34519. You can SMS. You can also send a message via Telegram on 0618951019. Some messages coming through on Twitter at Chai FM and at Rabbi Shish as well as on the Facebook live that we're running and the Facebook page of Chai FM. Choose your way of engaging. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. And today we're talking about the police. Should we be keeping them or should we be getting rid of them? Interesting, over here, Facebook Live, Derek says that he was in the police service for seven years. That's here in South Africa, which of course uh, means that, uh, Derek, you obviously have a lot that you could share with us about it. And Derek says, we need a police service, but we need to cut out those who are not suitable for police work. I think that's practical, right? Not everybody is cut out for that particular role. Not everybody's good at it. Not everybody should be given that opportunity, that power, that authority, because they may abuse it. And that's valid, and I I think nobody would question that. If there are people who are not suited to the position, they got to go. they got to go. The question that is on people's minds at the moment, or the voice that is being heard in certain segments of society is, can it get rid of the police? And so far what we have seen so far is that the Torah is very much of the view, that you have to have a police service. In fact, the Mishnah tells us in Pirkei Abba, it's the ethics of the fathers, that you should actually pray for the well-being of the authorities, of the king, of the government. Because, if people did not have fear of that authority, people would literally swallow each other alive. There would be anarchy. And it's an indictment, but it's a factual statement about the human condition. If we don't have some kind of rigid authority systems... Yes, there are some people who are just just naturally law-abiding. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're the person who stops at the red light even if it's late at night and there's no cars on the road. Maybe you're the person who pays your e-tolls and your taxes on time. Maybe you're the person who has never dreamt of pilfering even a little bit of money and you certainly wouldn't harm a fly. Don't impose your pristine reality Unto the rest of the world, and imagine that the rest of the world is as squeaky clean. It isn't. It isn't. Yeter haadam ram urav. That's what the Torah says. The Torah says that from childbirth, the nature of people is that we're inclined to do what's wrong. It's it's how we're wired. It's it's who we are. Unfortunately, and it's a it's a sad thing to say about the human nature, but it, it's a true thing to say. So. For that reason the Mishnah says that you have to pray for the well being of the systems, of the authorities, of the government, because without them we'll literally be eating each other for breakfast. I'll tell you what's interesting though about that. What's interesting is that the same authority, that same Mishnah again, people will quote things, will lift a quote out of a book and they will say that this is what it that this is it, this is the full picture, this is the whole message. But actually, if you have a look at it, it says very clearly in that Mishnah, you should pray for the well-being of that authority system. That implies that it's not a given. Just because they have the authority, they will use it appropriately. There's a reality check over there. We, Daven, we pray for all kinds of things that are really important so we should pray that they have the right sentiment, the right attitude, the right sense of responsibility, the, a healthy respect for human beings. So no, it's not a free fall just to say, we need police in order to exist and in order for society to sustain itself. There are checks and balances. That is absolutely clear. There are checks and balances. Um, okay, so interesting, interesting comments coming through over here. Uh, I'll try and get to all of them. So Ariel says, okay, I'm not going to get into that one, not right now, uh, the question of uh, you know who lives, whose lives matter. It's a conversation in its own right. But Ariel says this, who stands to benefit, it's a good question, who stands to benefit the most from the disbanding or defunding of certain policing units or functions? It's a great question, and everybody has to analyze exactly that question. Who's pushing for it? One side of the question. Who stands to benefit from it? Other side of the question. And then he continues. Also, very important point. He says, if we need to have a policing structure, is it moral to stand behind a movement that calls for the disbanding of those policing structures, even if that movement may have other ideals that have merit? This is a great question. Because, unfortunately, what happens to us a lot of the time is we see things in black and white, we see things in extremes, we throw out the baby with the bathwater. So the minute we identify something about a particular movement that's good, we're all in, boots and all, and we don't necessarily look at the cracks in their uh, philosophy or in their policy. And likewise, in the other direction, if we reject some of the thoughts or um, suggestions of a particular group, does that discredit everything? So... I don't think the purpose of our conversation over here today is to do an analysis of the specifics of who says what. But I think these are interesting questions. Who stands to benefit? Who stands to benefit from having less policing? You and I as upstanding moral citizens or the criminal element? And if it is the criminal element, and if it's even perhaps going to be the criminal element, there is no question about it that the Torah would never support removing those structures. Because we know that the purpose of Torah is It says very clearly God did not create the world to be a chaotic environment. He created the world to be a settled place where there is structure, where there is accountability, where there is law and order. So if we will create a structure that empowers people who don't want to behave accordingly empowers people who have a negative agenda and may hurt or harm society or other people. Well, we have a moral responsibility to prevent that happening. We don't have the right to allow society to crumble. Such interesting points that come up over here. Again, we could debate the philosophy of it. We could debate the psychology of it. I'm interested. This is fresh thinking. What we like to do is to look at things through the perspective specifically of what the Torah would have to say about it, that's what I'd like to hear about. If you've got a thought, if you've got an insight, that's the specific angle that we're going to look at. Here on Twitter, Joseph says that when Hashem gave Moses the Torah, he instructed that the people police their own society. Two witnesses were needed to to confirm any infraction. Society at large is far from being Torah observant and the police are still needed to keep order. The police should be accountable to Torah. I'd love to say that, that we live in a society where we'd hold the police accountable to Torah. I'd even love to say that we could have that in in Israel, where obviously secular law is not necessarily always aligned with Jewish law. And, and people think that the laws of the Torah governing the police would be so onerous, they wouldn't necessarily. They might actually be pretty clear and obvious guidelines. So, Maybe that is a suggestion but but uh, Joseph's point is a very good point and that is that the Torah instructs us that we do have to police our societies. Now the question is how Question is how because if you use that word police, it might have a very broad range of meanings to a whole lot of different people. People may see that and understand policing as being very heavy-handed, and other people may see policing as being very benevolent. Uh, depending on your society, depending on your religious beliefs, depending on your psychological perceptions, there, there are many factors that could come into play over here. So yes, we do need, and the Torah definitely says that we have to um, that we have to police our society. And we have to keep structure within our society. The question is, how? Is the modern version of the police force, and it's an interesting debate here in South Africa, the terms police force versus the expression that we now use, the police service. And there's a lot of controversy around that. Is it a force? Is it supposed to that could be with force? Or is it supposed to be some kind of a service? So that's an interesting conversation in and of itself. Uh, yeah, definitely much to speak about on this topic. I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. I suspect that this is something that is going to, uh, that's going to stick around for some time, which is good for us, I suppose. It gives us something to talk about. If you've just joined the conversation, it's Fresh Thinking You with Rabbi Shishla all the way until 3pm here on Chai FM. There are ways for you to engage at any time and to share your opinion. You can send an SMS on 34519. You can send a message via telegram on 0618951019. There's a lot of activity always on social media. You can connect on Twitter at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish. There's a Facebook Live happening on my account and there is the, the Chai FM Facebook page. So those are your ways to interact, share your views or forever hold your peace. So if you are new to this, if you've just joined us, we're running on Chai FM 101.9, Chai FM, streaming live also on ChaiFM.com and Facebook Live at the moment on my Facebook page, plus you can interact using a whole host of different means of connecting. You can SMS 34519, you can Telegram 0618951019, you can Tweet us at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish. And we're on Facebook, both on the Chai FM Facebook page and on my Facebook Live happening right now. The subject we're talking about is police. Should they stay or should they go? So basically what we've discussed so far, and here's another person who said the same thing. Sean on Twitter says, "Shoiftim veshoitrim titen lecha b'chol the original quote, actually the first person who responded today, quoted this verse as well, which says, the Torah tells us it is an imperative of ours to establish courts and law enforcement. But then Sean includes the rest of the comment, esha'am mishpat tzedek, in order that the judiciary should be able to judge the people in a righteous way. And he says, a functional justice system requires the appointment of competent law enforcement personnel One cannot function without the other. And I absolutely agree with that. You cannot have a society that will somehow magically hold itself together without law enforcement. But Sean used an important word, competent. And we may have a very broad definition of what that competence includes. So it seems at this point, and from what you've shared and the sources that we've looked at together seems pretty obvious that the Jewish view is, we need police. It's a mitzvah in the Torah. We're told by our sages and ethics of the fathers that if we do not pray for the well-being of the authorities, then people will eat each other alive, which unfortunately seems to be the case. We've had precedent in history, uh, unlawful societies, and the horrible mayhem that has ensued. That's all one side of the conversation. Now let's pause for a minute and look at a different side of the conversation. Let's say that we were not talking about police and about society. Let's say that we were talking about a family structure. And the reason I want to use the family structure is just to illustrate a point, not to say that families and society at large are necessarily so comparable. So if you look at a family structure, you get different family models. The older family model that was perhaps more popular, I don't know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, was a quite an authoritarian family model. So the, the, the parent, often the father, his word is how things were going to be. No correspondence was entered into, and, and you took it. You took whatever you were told, like it or not, and you conformed. It's probably fair to say that the school system was the same, actually that there were very strong discipline, very high expectations from people, and and they did. People had no choice but to conform. And many people will tell you life was better. Many people will tell you life was better, people were more uh, disciplined, people uh, behaved in an appropriate way, they were more polite, they were more considerate. Various arguments I think that people would put forward as to how life was so much better in those days. Today, The the parents of that period might be quite critical of the modern parenting style, which has probably gone too much to the other direction. want to be friends with your child. You want to suggest things to your child rather than to dictate to them. And as is often the case, the balance must lie somewhere in between. Because when a, a family structure is too rigid and too disciplinarian, often what you find is that there is a crack in that structure at some point and children cast off that value system. They swear they'll never be like those parents or they'll never do those things that were forced down their throats. So when you push hard from an authoritarian perspective, the natural response is push back. And the harder you push, the more people will push back. So from a Jewish perspective, we're quite wary of heavy-handed leadership. It's a fascinating study of Jewish leaders because, yes, there were occasions in every famous Jewish leader's career where they had to stand up and they had to assert themselves. Whether it was Moses against the rebellion of Korach or against the tyranny of Pharaoh. Whether it was Elijah who took on the prophets of Baal from within his own community. There are many examples of this. But those were unique circumstances, and we need to be careful not to define the whole leadership style of our great leaders based on isolated incidents. In fact, on the contrary, most of the time, that same Moses, who was so harsh with the Jews on various occasions after the golden calf with the story of the spies at the time of the rebellion of Korach, etc., that same Moses said to those people, I am like a mother to a child in my relationship with you. Imagine a mother who's nursing her child. That's how I've been for you. And I've carried you through this experience. And he was. He was incredibly caring and he defended the Jews under the most incredible circumstances even when God himself figured that it was enough. Moses rallied to defend them. And besides that, Moses goes down in history. His moniker is Rabbeinu. Our teacher implies somebody who related to us, somebody who spoke our language, who was able to get into our heads, somebody who had our buy-in, that's the goal, actually, of leadership. The goal of leadership is not to assert authority. It's important, yes. It is important at times to assert authority. There was a fascinating moment that uh, was captured on camera. I don't even think it was an isolated moment. I'm just thinking of the one particular video clip that I saw where a, a member of the Military leadership or the political leadership, I don't remember exactly who the person was, of the Israeli government had come to the Lubavitcher Rebbe uh, to receive his blessing. And on this clip, the Rebbe says to him that the goal of the Israeli defense forces is to be such a show of force that nobody would want to engage in the conflict in the first place. In other words, not that you go out there picking a fight or throwing your weight around or putting down rebellion or... You know, arresting people because they've got, co- you just have this, this natural appeal that people look at you with an element of respect and they know that you carry the big stick to quote, uh, old, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, right? Walk quietly and carry your big stick. You know, there, there is, there's another kind of authority that doesn't require brute force, but requires rather just knowing. It's like that parent, you know, who could, who could, Walk into the room and didn't have to do anything and certainly didn't have to spank the child and the child would conform because the presence of the persona of the parent is so powerful and compelling that obviously you behave. That's another angle and it's not even the final angle that we're going to explore. But if you've got a thought on it, here's your chance to share your views. 34519 if you'd like to send an SMS. Otherwise on Telegram 0618951019 and some more feedback coming through on Twitter and Facebook at Chai FM, or at Rabbi Shish, if you'd like to interact on Twitter. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishler. Talking today about the police and the rallying cry that we're hearing from certain communities overseas that police should be dismantled, at least in certain parts of the country. And the New York mayor, I believe, saying that they were going to defund certain departments within the New York police system. It's a really interesting conversation. Would the Torah support the police or support the defunding of police? John says, law and order without unnecessary violence. That's what we need. Law and order without unnecessary violence. For example, uh, the apprehension of unarmed suspects. I'm not a policeman, so I'm not going to comment on unarmed suspects and if it's always as straightforward. As it appears to be, I don't know, so I'm not going to claim to know. But here's something interesting that we have to put into the mix. The Torah portion that we're going to read this coming Shabbos, which talks about lighting the menorah, that back in the desert when there was the tabernacle, and subsequently in the temple in Jerusalem, there was the golden seven-branched candelabra called the menorah. And there was a mitzvah, there was a requirement every single day that the kohen, the priest, would light that menorah. Now, when Hebrew language is very specific... <clears throat> so when the Torah uses the language to light the menorah, it actually doesn't say light. Lahadlik is to light. But the Torah uses the word laha'alois, which means to raise. And so Rashi, the medieval commentator, who is the most foremost commentator on the scriptures, so he says what it means is that the responsibility of the person to light the menorah was ad Shall shalheves That the goal was, obviously, for very obvious reasons, to ensure that that flame would remain independent. So, if I'm lighting a candle, it would be ridiculous if I have to take the match and hold it there for as long as I want the candle to remain lit. That would be crazy. What's the point of that? So, why does Ash have to point this out to us and why does the Torah have to emphasize that the goal is to ensure that the flame becomes sustainable on its own, that it's independently viable. Why? One of the commentaries on that is based on the prophecy that's read in the Haftorah that particular week, is that we're actually the menorah. In addition to the fact that there was a golden menorah that actually stood in the temple, you and I, were the menorah. We, Our soul, as King Solomon says, is the lamp of God. And so it's our responsibility to ignite our own spirituality and to illuminate our lives with the insight and guidance of our soul. In other words, to live an inspired life. The thing is that very often you'll find people saying, uh, an inspired life, well, that means uh, inspire me. (laughs) Inspire me. Uh, I remember once sitting with a group of people and they were like, Rabbi, your job is to inspire us. I don't know, I don't remember ever seeing in the job description that the job of the rabbi is to inspire. The job of the rabbi is probably to guide, to educate, to comfort, to counsel uh, to inspire, I don't know. Inspiration is a frightening term because very often when a person says inspire me, it, it, they almost make it sound like they're a cell phone battery. And they got to keep getting plugged in every couple of hours for new inspiration. Otherwise, they go flat. That's what the Torah is telling us over here. There are two ways that a person could live their life. The one way you could live your life is, I need inspiration. Somebody's got to light my candle. Somebody's got to keep me on the straight and narrow. Somebody has to enforce the discipline that I need in my life. It's plausible, it's acceptable, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Some people have to live that way, and that's just how it is. But the ideal is, heves oila me The ideal is where a person is independently alight. Independently spiritually viable. Independently aware of how they should behave. Not because somebody breathes down their back. Not because they're afraid of the consequences that if they step out of line they're going to be hit with a hefty fine. Or be, uh, be imprisoned. I mean let's look at the coronavirus example. So there was a lockdown, and now it's eased, and and some people might even say it's pretty much ended. During the period of the lockdown, everybody was afraid to step out of line because we were warned that the military was going to be on the streets and the police were going to be able to do all kinds of things to us. So people stayed indoors, and they avoided social contact, and they did things that were actually for their own benefit. Why? Because they were afraid of what might happen to them. Now most of those restrictions have been lifted. Eight million people returned to their jobs. The schools are opening again. Retail is back in business. So now, the reason not to get too close socially, the reason to sanitize your hands, the reason to stay home as much as you possibly can and to avoid public gatherings is no longer because somebody might slap a fine on you or put you away. The reason is because at this point we're supposed to become independently viable. We're supposed. I'm not saying we have reached that point, and I suppose time will tell, and and the numbers, the infection numbers will tell. But ostensibly, what's supposed to happen is we're supposed to be grown up enough at this point that we can take responsibility for our own well-being, for our own growth, for our own. The aspiration of Judaism is to inculcate within people such a depth of appreciation for what is right, that they, of their own accord, only want to do what is right. Now, crime is a big issue. It's always been part of society and it's part of every society. It's just a matter of degree. Here in South Africa, we're forever saying the crime is terrible. Here, as if nowhere else in the world has crime or even violent crime. Now, I'm not arguing. There might be places in the world that are far safer to live. Absolutely. But crime still exists in all societies. And Back in the 70s and in the 80s, when there were crime waves in New York City and there was the attempted assassination of President Reagan and various other things that happened at the time, there were a series of occasions where the Rebbe spoke at that time and said that the best way to address crime is through education. So it's not with heavy-handed law enforcement on the one hand, and it's equally not by dissolving the police services on the other hand and thinking, well, now everybody's going to behave well because we're not bullying them anymore. Nonsense. It's not going to happen. But aspirationally, where we should be going as a society, we should be going in every society to a point where we do such a good job from the formative years of ingraining within people what morality is what values should be, how a person is meant to behave, what responsibilities we have to the society that we live in and to our fellow citizen. And all of that not because of the fear of the rule of law, all of that because of a consciousness that this entire universe has a boss. Yesh Bala Abayis L'Dirazoi zoy, That this world has an entity a being in charge who we are answerable to, even when nobody's around. So so that would mean that I don't only behave when I'm afraid of the cops, I behave because intrinsically I know it's the right thing. That should be the aspiration of our society. When we hear voices saying, dismantle the police, yes, our immediate response would be, we're so not ready for this. And equally, our response should be, how could we get a society to actually be able to survive without the threat or the fear of The law of law and order, but actually because they resonate with that stuff. What do you think? Do you think that that's viable? Do you think it's something we could actually pull off? Do you think you could do it even within the context of your own family? Be really curious to hear your thoughts on that. This is fresh thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Okay, wrapping it up. I think it's a conversation that we could keep going for some time. of tweets. One says, we are experienced enough to know that we need authority because lack of authority has given rise to most of history's foulest authoritarians. Isn't that interesting? That a lack of healthy authority will produce authoritarianism. Uh, A little bit later, I suppose, just to where we are in the conversation, says, Prikha, says that we should fear the government, otherwise we will swallow our fellow alive. And uh, she continues, we can see from the sad current situation that this is so true. Sad, I think, indeed. But I'll tell you something interesting. The verse says, <speaking in Hebrew> that you should, there's a mitzvah in the Torah to place judges and law enforcement officers in every single city. That is the law. And every single day in our prayers, we pray for the restoration of the Jewish leadership, the Jewish kingdom of Israel. We pray for the coming of Mashiach, and one of the things that we say in those prayers is we say, "Hashiva Hashem, please return our judges as you had given us originally. See, throw back to that verse. What was the verse? Judges and law enforcement you should have in your cities. We, in our prayers, three times a day, every weekday of the year, say, "Hashem, God, please restore our judges to us." And then we say, "V'yoy atzecho kebatchilo. And you're our advisors. We don't ask for law enforcement. Law enforcement, we understand, is a necessary part of society in its current, immature form. When I say immature, immature, we, we are, unfortunately, by and large, most people are not ready to take that level of responsibility for themselves. But as an aspiration, as a direction, as a goal of Judaism, as a purpose for the world, The ultimate state of the human experience is when we reach a point that we can do this on our own. Much like the family example that I started with earlier. Yes, there is a time when it is appropriate as a parent to manage the discipline of a child. And that includes perhaps star charts or consequences. That requires very clear boundaries. Children welcome boundaries. When you're a child, you need somebody else to tell you how to behave. Much of society never grows up. Like it or not, and they don't like it. Like that uh, bratty child who doesn't want to be told what to do. That's exactly the child who needs to be told what to do. And then one day, hopefully you grow up. The child gets to a point where it's no longer the parent's responsibility to micromanage and to overly discipline the child. There comes a point where the parent has to say, you're a big boy now, you take your own responsibility, and hopefully I have ingrained in you enough values that you know how to behave. The aspiration of Judaism is that society should reach that point. I think it's wonderful that we're having a conversation about whether or not we need police. Not because for one second I believe that they should dismantle the police force anywhere in the world right now, because we're not there yet, not even close. But it's wonderful to have a conversation that says, who says we always have to be this way? Who says we can't remodel society, do a radical education of young people, instill such good values that we reach a point where we no longer need a police force? Wow, that would be amazing. That's what we call in the classics, the age of Moshiach. That is something we pray for every day. That is something we hope will happen sooner than we imagine. Thanks for joining. Thanks for your interactions, comments. I didn't necessarily read all of the comments, but appreciate them nonetheless. Have a wonderful rest of your week and a beautiful Shabbos.